0: Um, the people that we sought out sort of said that, you know, you can play footy again and nothing could happen to you and you could be all right. They said you could play it and you get another hit to the head and it could be, you know, you could recover from it. Um, And then the other thing they said is you could play footy again and get a hit to the head and, and never walk again.
1: Tom Hunter inaugural. Richmond, AFL women's coach. Thanks for having me. Welcome to. for joining the uh, Lace Out podcast, mate. That's good to be
0: here. Thank you for having me. Inaugural's got a nice ring to it, doesn't it? It has. I've heard it a couple of times. One of those it was for VFLW and then now they're used for AFLW. It's, yeah. um Yeah, it's nice. You're the first first and uh, only. You'll be the first and only, won't you?
1: No one can take those titles away from you. Hopefully. Only <laughs> oh, hopefully. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: only for a while. Have it, um,
0: tell us, how did you get the news? Uh, so something that... I think the club had planned to do for when they uh, gave me the opportunity to the AFRW. They wanted that. I think they wanted that person to go on to AFRW when it came in, in 2020. And um, so for me, it was just a little bit of a waiting and waiting and seeing and doing a good job and trying to be a little bit successful within our program. Um, But you know, Barmy and Kate sat me down and um, just shared the news and said, yeah, this is the way we're going to go. This is what we're going to do. And, um, yeah, so it was pretty exciting. Did
1: you have to go through the the process, as they would say? Because we're hearing that a fair bit about the, you know from the men's side of things at the moment.
0: Yeah, so originally I presented to um, there was a couple of people, the former head of footy, Dan Richardson, Kate Sheehan, and one of our HR um, staff. And then this time I had to present to the board just about um, what the program is going to look like, the players we had, um, what I want to do with the program. And so that in itself was pretty daunting and pretty scary. They don't give you too much to board. They just sort of just nod and smile. And so you sort of um, <laughs> go to go a little bit by yourself, but no, nah, no, nah, they, were, they were good. They were really friendly and um, pretty receptive to what I wanted to do. Is it a long chat? Oh, they gave us about half an hour. So, so I got half an hour. Yeah, Is that standard? Was, yeah. I, I, I assume it might be a little bit more for the AFL programs. And, um, but for me, it was half an hour and it was just sharing about the girls and then asking questions and um, you know, the way we wanted to play and what we wanted to do next year. So a year, next year in the future. Um, so it was good. Yeah. Now you mentioned Kate Sheen. Now, a lot, of, a
1: lot of people probably know her from, obviously, Mike Sheehan's daughter and played the one game for, for Collingwood, but she's been with you virtually that whole journey, hasn't she?
0: Yeah, so she, she came into the VFL program uh, towards the back end of 2017. Uh, she did the ops there, and, you know, I think the, the club sought her out to do the, the Richmond women's f- side of things, um, and she's been awesome. Like, she's such a big advocate for not only for women's footy but for women's footy at our club uh, and just making sure the girls have whatever they want Uh, whatever they need to make them be successful. And she's been a great supporter of mine and um, someone who I I pretty much owe where I am now, thanks to her.
1: So you were there before, because you were already there as part of Richmond's VFL men's team, weren't you? Yes, with the you? men's. One of the assistants. Did they come and approach you and say, listen, we're going down that route
0: or was it throw the hand in the ring and sort of see what happens? No, nah, so Kate approached me at the back end of uh, the 2017 season and asked me if that was something I'd be interested in and it, to be honest, it probably wasn't because it wasn't something I really thought about ever getting involved in women's footy um, and it wasn't really a pathway that one, the girls didn't have it to play but it wasn't something for coaches as well. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to do it as a, as a stepping stone in my career. Like I wanted to do it because I wanted to do it, to do it properly. So I, I really had a big think about it. Um, but the thing that got me over the line was you could create something from nothing and very rarely in anything to get that opportunity. So for me to uh, be a part of something from the first day, um, see it through the VFRW, see it into AFRWs is pretty exciting for me um so I can't wait to do it I think the good thing is because I've I've known you for many many years and I've known your family for many years and it's
1: I've seen you play junior footy and then down at the cannons and then obviously over at Collingwood I remember the day you got drafted by Collingwood in the rookie draft I was over like high-fiving and then you know circumstances changes you get the the women's role the VFL and it was almost just sitting there going he's he's gonna take it Is, is he gonna get it is he gonna get it and then when the notification came out that you'd been appointed, I don't think I was actually I was actually pumped. But there were so many people who know you as a person, and I tried to get into a get into a couple of them to try and dig up some dirt about today. <laughs> yep. You probably know the guys who I'm talking about. Yep. I think a few, the few of them. Just a few of them. Yeah. And they had nothing but good words to say about you. So he's actually he's got nothing. He's just that that good of a bloke. That a pretty big that's a pretty big pat on the back. Yeah. That's, and a testament that you that's know, quite people nice. your mates in that say it. Friends in that say but to somebody who you'd only know for a little bit of time, said, "Hey, listen, we really think that you're going to add something to this."
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a great thing to hear. Like I, I like to think I treat people, um, you know, with with respect. And um, the thing I sort of say is, you treat people the way one you'd like to be treated, but um, you never know what that person's going through at any particular time. So you always want to make sure that you're friendly, you're respectful and, and when that person may pop up again in your life. Um, so you always want to leave a good impression and, and making sure you're doing the best for them and, and trying to help them in any way you possibly can. So do you have any assistance working with you or is it? Yeah, we've got a, we've got a bit of a, we've got a bit of a crew. Um, so there's Kate Sheen's the head of fo- women's football. Um, there's myself. Uh, there's Matt Parker, who's our head of high performance and there's Lauren Tessarero. Yep. Uh, so she's our recruiter. We've also got a, a full-time um, admin staff in Sammy Teal. And um, there's another, we've got a well, full-time welfare person in uh, Sarah Wiley. So they, they're the full-time staff of our women's football. And then from there, we've got you know assistant coaches, we've got trainers, we've got uh, f- you know, two physios and doctors and things. So it's, it's a pretty well set up program. Pretty well we're, set up right yeah, we're pretty lucky the way we're running it because we just want to run a good football program. And to do that, you need these people in place. So that's one of the first things that Kate did was put a full-time coach in, seek out a high-performance manager and and just make sure that the girls can get the most out of themselves.
1: One of the things that I was was surprised by, I said, look, you came in, we're having a chat and you had your laptop out and you work, and I was like, well, is this what you do a lot of and you're saying you actually have to do a fair bit outside like any normal coach just give the people just a bit of an idea of what's what's a normal week look like for you
0: um so it depends on a on what day the game is so if the games on on sunday for instance um monday is usually spent coding and going through the game and reviewing it and uh, writing individual feedback for the players and making sure that they've got what they need um you know put the game up on a huddle so they've got access to it and Tuesday is usually a full day at the club because uh, we train, you know, a bit of a different session on Tuesday night where we've got um, we've got a kicking coach who yep. comes in, we do strength and conditioning, we do something else that I won't go into. No, obviously, obviously. Um, and then Wednesday I'll get to the club about uh, mid morning uh, and then there till 10 o'clock in the evening sometimes with match committee and things. So Thursday's a good day because it's our day off, Beautiful, um, which is a good time to relax. And then Friday, similar to Wednesday and then usually game day again. So. Um, there's a lot of preparations for meetings, um, a lot of you know doing research and oppositions. And where we are now in, in football and in, in AFLW preparations, we're also looking at the draft. So I'm also going through tapes of, of girls that we might be interested in drafting and bringing into our program. So yeah, you do a lot, but it's, um, it's pretty rewarding. It's a pretty good job to have. Even from when you started
1: a couple of years ago to now, has it just like the, the learning curve, not just for you, but just the way that it's set out and the way it's administered, has it been a steep
0: Uh, it has been, I think I've been been pretty fortunate in my experience working with like Craig McRae, um, and seeing how he works within the VFL program and just learning a lot of him. And then being there full time, you get to sit in on the AFL meetings and you see how Dimmer runs things. You see how his line coaches run things. And that gives you, I guess, an insight into what it should look like. And, it does look pretty similar. Like we we do have a bit of a Richmond brand in terms of our meetings and yep. things, and, and also our game style. But there's also that my own spin on it, and what I want to what I want to bring to our program and, and make it look uh, authentic. You know, it's it's not the Richmond men's um, or VFL or AFL. It's it's the VFL. It's That's Richmond. People. Yeah, it's Richmond. So you know, it's it's the brand. It's the same learning and terminology and things. But there's also a little bit of um, you know. My spin on things as well.
1: Yeah. So from a, from a coaching perspective, like mentors, you mentioned Craig McCrae. Has he
0: been one of your mentors and continues to be? Yeah, Fly's been awesome. So well, I first met Craig at my time at uh, at Collingwood. Yep. And I was in rehab for a while in my in his first year, so we spent a lot of time together. And then when I was at the Quarter Cannons, um, he rang me up and he had just been given the opportunity of Richmond VFL coach and he asked the recruiters at the time at Collingwood, you know, is there someone that, you know, you guys know that might be interested and, and they put my name forward and yeah, it's been great. It's been a, you know, a great experience learning under him. Um, I learn a lot off Dimmer. You know, Blake Carasala. We, we have conversations around it. Uh, Tim Livingston is the head of coaching. So it's, there's some great people at the club that just want the best for, for Richmond and, and for, for individuals involved in it. You sound happy.
1: <laughs> look, if you weren't a webcam and you saw the smile on this guy's face, you wouldn't be able to. You can't not look at it. Uh, let's go back because you mentioned it. You, did, you were People may not know that you were at Collingwood. I was. You were? A, for a very brief period. For a very, period. very brief period. So, you, like I said, you were picked up at number 10 in the 2010. I, mean, I think it was. At, uh, well, it said 10 where I was looking, <laughs> so we'll go
0: with that. No, yeah. No, rookie, uh, pick 18 in the rookie draft. Pick
1: 18 in the rookie draft, given the beautiful number
0: 45, which is still on the wall at home, that's actually um, that's the last jumper I wore. Yep. Um, we said that it got cut off, but I wanted to keep it, so I didn't tell the club that. So that's the first time I've told anyone <laughs> else. It's actually the last so, jumper I wore. So if you get a tap on the if you get a tap on the the door asking for it back, yeah, I'm mm, a bit worried. The property
1: short from uh, Collingwood might come back he, and ask he for it may it. have got sacked because of that. So you might <laughs> have some people to answer to. You, you were you were going all right. They picked you up, training the hair stand, game start, and then.
0: Yeah, so I think it was at the start of my second year. Uh, I, got, I got injured on the back of my first year. Yeah. back in, um, Injured on in the back of my first year and was coming good through the VFL, and then played through the NAB Cup with Collingwood and then in my second game playing against West Coast, yeah, unfortunately got a bit of a hit to the head and um, yeah, it was... It was a bit more than a little bit of a hit to the head, but I'll try and play it down as much as I can. It was, it was pretty severe, but. Well,
1: don't play it down. It was your neck that. Yeah, it was my neck. So what so... was it? Because even the people who know you like, I I just knew it was your neck. Yeah. A lot of people probably knew it was your neck, but
0: what actually was it? Because to actually pretty much be told you can't play again. Yeah. That's not minor. Nah. So essentially what it was, um, my spinal canal is too small for my spinal cord. So every time I got a hit to the head, all the nerves in my spine or neck would compress. Um, and essentially I lost all feeling in my arms when I, when I got hit to the head and uh, couldn't lift my arms up, couldn't lift myself off the ground. Uh, when the feeling came back, it, I thought I'd landed on glass because I had this pain of just glass shards in my yep. arms. Um, so it was pretty scary. And the, the neurosurgeons and doctors and um, the people that we sought out sort of said that, you know, you can play footy again and nothing could happen to you and you could be all right. They said you could play it and you get another hit to the head and it could be, you know, you could recover from it. Um, and then the other thing they said is you could play footy again and get a hit to the head and, and never walk again. So, and never have use of your arms or legs. Um, so when you hear things like that, it's, it's footy's a, a big part of my life, but it's still just a part of my life. It's not everything. So
1: what goes through your head when you know, they sit you down and say what you've been working for for so many years has now just been taken away from you through no fault of your own? It's just yeah. you know, what the
0: man upstairs gave you. Yeah. What. Yeah, it's it's, it's tough. Uh, I remember the f- the first neurosurgeon that told me, and he said, um, you know, my recommendation would be that you don't play any more contact sport. I remember actually just walking out, and I didn't say anything, and I sort of left mum in the lurch a little bit because she was in there with me, and that was it was just really tough to hear because it's something that you can't control, and it's just something that you dealt with, and you got to. Uh, after that one you know a few more neurosurgeons spoke to me and said the same thing you know no contact sport means no footy yeah. so you did get a couple of opinions just to make sure yeah, a couple it. of opinions just to make sure it was uh, i was trying to i was going to do a bit of window shopping trying to find the answer i wanted to hear but they're all saying the same thing that if you you know you play footy again you're at serious risk of becoming quadriplegic and yep um yeah so it's it it once I accepted it, um, it became a little bit easier. And then you stayed with Collingwood, didn't you, for the rest of that for that year? 2011. 2011? 2011. 2011. Yeah. yeah. So 2010 it was my first year in the VFL, and 2011 started. 2011 was when I got injured, and then stayed there. Then obviously, yeah, yeah. Part so ways. I, yeah, it was the runner uh, for 2011 uh, for under Mick that year. Yep. Um, which is a great experience for me, you know, being able to sit in, you know, the game day meetings and listen to him on the bench and the way he interacted with players and things and. Um, so that was a great little learning experience for me, first off. Um, 2012, um, was still involved at Richmond, was a recruiter, doing some scouting there, 2012, 2013, and then all that time doing coaching as well.
1: You've, you've actually been in a pretty good spot, because I remember they showed some footage the other week where they it might have been Mick Moldhouse's Hall of Fame, and they're at the dinner of the night. You know what I'm talking about, yeah, don't you? The they're at the final. dinner of the grand final, the drawn, grand, the drawn grand, final. grand final, and they go to a shot of the players, and there's uh, Leon Davis and a couple of others, and there's... Tom Hunter on his phone, <laughs> and I got, Tommy, he's there. You, you, you. The world gets to see you in your beauty. <laughs> so, as a, as a coach, you know. If you, if you could describe Mick as a coach from your time be a little bit under him and obviously working for him to a
0: degree as the runner yep um, he was very uh, I'm trying to find the right word he was very authoritative <laughs> yep. Um but he'd had he'd gained that respect for so long uh, from so many people where he could be like that you know he coached really strongly I'm not going to say aggressive, but he was, you know, he had, he had he certainly had a presence. Was it a directness? Uh, oh yeah. Very direct. Yeah, yeah. Very direct. So that was him. And, um, and that's just, that was his personality. And that, and that worked for, for so many years. At works Coyle. for some, works, works for yeah. some, doesn't work
1: for others. And so you do that. Then you decide, let me guess, you decided to sort of maybe coach your own team, didn't you? You thought, was that the first dip in the toe in the water and go, I might have,
0: a, yeah, maybe so have this coaching game? I think when I left uh, or when I retired, um, the cannons rang me up and said, you know, well, there's a position here if you'd like to do some coaching. But for me, it was I wanted to coach my own side. I just wanted to see if I could do it and see if I enjoyed it. Because at the time, I was still doing scouting for Collingwood. And I just wanted to see if it was, you know, if that was the right thing I wanted to do or... Um, and it was, it was something I you know, really cherished that year in 2012, coaching at East Keeler under 18s and, and coaching some, some fine young men and boys or men that I still have relationships now with. And it was something I knew from that year that's something I wanted to keep doing as I saw the impact I was having and um, the ability to, to improve players and for them to enjoy their footy. That's just sort of, you know, cemented it for me. that That's what I wanted to do. Ed, how'd you go that year, by the way, might I ask?
1: Oh, I think we got a, a flag. Yeah, you flags. did win a flag. Yeah, yeah, a flag, yeah. you yeah. did win a flag. And then you won a flag. Probably. And then the senior group won a flag. And we were sort of stuck in the middle and lost by a point. So that was a great night. I can remember that yeah, vividly. So thanks for that. Where to from here? Where to after that? Like, that's 2012.
0: Where did it go to from there? Uh, so 13, 14, and 15 I was at the Cannons. Yep. Um, doing it as an assistant coach there. Also went was finishing off my university because obviously um, needed an education, needed something to fall back on. I always knew I wanted to do teaching if footy didn't work. So once I retired, um, I got a part-time job in a gym and just kept going through uni um, and became a teacher. So 2015 and 16 and 17, I was a teacher in a classroom, which was um, really enjoying. I loved it. Taught primary school, grade threes and grade fours. Uh, It was awesome. Three really good years and... Yeah, so quarter cannons for those years, um, Richmond VFL for two after that, um, and now in my second year at Richmond VFL Women's.
1: If you think about it, at one stage, it's like your career's over, finished, and then in the space of, what, seven-odd years later, now you're going to be the first.
0: Yeah, and that's that's like, it's not lost on me because when some players leave football, like that's it, they're done, Um, and they go back to coach local footy, they go back into careers or pathways that they... Um, we're doing previously and for me I'm just like really lucky that you know I've got that opportunity to still be in football um seven or eight or you know, eight, nine years now after I retired. Uh, and that doesn't happen very often. So I know how lucky I am and how grateful for the the space I'm in.
1: It doesn't it's I think it's one of those things that do you think people are
0: born to be coaches? Uh, not sure. Not sure. I think um I think there's there's traits that people identify in people that can help them be coaches yep uh i remember one of the guys at the of cannons chris sevier um he always said to me that one day you'll make a good coach and i never knew what he meant by that he just looked at you and go you're looking at him going what what do you mean yeah he he just said there's there's three players like forgive me i can't remember the other two but he always said you and this and that will one day be a good coach and uh, i don't know what it was but um yeah so it's I think it's just, for me, it's keeping me involved in footy and having an impact and and making others better. That's what I'm really motivated by. So yeah, what
1: is the best thing about position
0: that people would envy and people would
1: just go, I don't know why you'd want to do it. But what what gets you up every day to head down to to Punt Road and and work with these girls? What is it about the the whole coaching experience that just, even when we're sitting here talking about it, your eyes just light up. The smile on your face, you
0: did. yeah. I think, like, I think probably the reason we go back a step, even through teaching, and even before that, through footy. Like, for me, playing footy like fulfilled me, um, and then in the classroom, teaching fulfilled me, helping the students and, and getting, you know providing them with education. And um, you know now, coaching is something that fulfills me. Yep. Um, it's the impact that you have on the players. It's the interactions you have. Um, you can really be yourself and let them see who you are. Uh, and then at the same time, you're helping them improve with their footy and you're helping them get better. And um, that's something that I'm motivated by, wanting people to be better and wanting them to be successful and seeing them successful is something that drives me. So having that opportunity to to work with a group of players and get help them get the most out of themselves, um, that's, yeah, it's it's a great feeling intrinsically for me.
1: It's a great feeling when you see people come in one way and almost come out the other end a completely different person and then once you have that connection with them, they're almost like they'll do anything for you. They'll, they'll crawl out of broken glass for you. They'll they'll run in the packs, you know, run the wrong way. They don't, because they know that you're willing to do virtually anything for them yeah. and, and vice versa.
0: Yeah. And that's, and that's part of as a coach, you've got to build those relationships with players to, and I think that's part of what I really enjoy is getting to know the, the players, um, yeah, and as I said, helping them do things that they couldn't do before.
1: And so, like the men, you're going through the AFL coaching level program, level yeah, three or four level you're Level three at? at the moment. You're level three. What does that entail? Because it's one of those things that you hear quite a fair bit, and I don't have to go into it fully because I probably have to keep a few bit, but is it like a different level is a different year or is it just – a like normal course because it's, yeah, it it's just just he's a level 4 coach it's like well, what does that mean
0: yeah so I think they do it in different levels so like level 1's the juniors uh, level 2's if you want to do youth and maybe senior football yep. level 3's um, probably for people or coaches within the I guess the AFL system so yes. whether it be AFL or uh, the NAB League at the moment yep. or VFL programs um, so for me I got the opportunity to do my level 3 because I was at Richmond VFL beautiful um, and then that Sort of, I don't know. if it, I don't think it helped me with getting the AFLW position, but uh, it certainly gives you just an insight into to what goes on, a little bit more in depth of what it means to be a coach. You know, thinking about your coaching philosophy. Um, you know, just sharing stories, building connections with other coaches. Yep. Um, you know, there's a couple of practical elements that we did as well, and um, yeah. yeah. So it was, it's it's they just prepare you for what coaching could look like, and helps you identify who you are as a coach and what your values are, and and what that means.
1: Just taking a step away from the football side of things, I've heard a rumour that if you weren't going to be a footballer, that you could have been a very successful
0: drummer <laughs> in a band that had a lot of potential. <laughs> I know exactly Is this just, true? I know exactly who you've been talking to now. Uh, <laughs> yes, it could have, could have happened. Yep. Um, band name? It was smiling politely. Yep. Um, played drums with a few very good friends. Uh, something I, I still do now. I was doing it today, earlier. Um, yeah, but music's been a... I just enjoy music. I like listening to music and, and playing it. and um, It's a good little release, especially... Um, although we haven't had many losses this year, but uh, when you have a loss, it's good to get a little bit of tension out and, and bang the drums.
1: Well, you were saying that when I walked in, you were getting a playlist ready because you organise a playlist every every
0: game. Yeah, team, yeah do, a, do a bit of a, a pre-game pump up for the girls uh, just at the end of the meeting, it's something to get them up and about. So I don't listen to much radio and I don't know many good dance up and about songs. So... Yeah. I've got to do a bit of a YouTube scare every week. <laughs> you
1: like me if I tried to play music. I play stuff from the eighties when I'm
0: when I'm doing my work, and people just look at
1: me Peps, what are you talking about? So yeah, this is what of, I grew up with, mate.
0: One of my tunes did get on the um, the gym playlist for the girls. Yeah, uh, one of the, the music I like and. Uh, they very quickly shut it down, so it's a bit too heavy for them. A bit so too I'm, heavy? I'm to what are we talking? What are we talking here? Uh, it was an Australian band yep. um, called Stan Atlantic. It's not overly heavy, but um, the girls weren't too keen on it. They weren't
1: too keen on no. it? They're, they're more into their R&B and that R&B, sort of stuff. r and dancey. Yeah, they just don't get it, mate. Stuff. If I was a coach, geez, I'd be playing Anthrax and Pantera and Slayer. And gets the, them up and about. Gets me up and about, but they probably would never. have a clue no, they not enjoy it. Tell me the relationship that you have with the senior coaches and so forth. So people like Dima Barmy. Yeah. Do you, you, what type of relationship do you have with them? Do you get the chances to sort of clean the air with them and say, look, I'm, you know, I'm stuck here. Can you?
0: Yeah. Dima's really good. He always um, is really welcoming, inviting into meetings and things um, for what I want to, for anything from my development. Um, And Barmy always checks in. Barmy's a real, a real big supporter of our program. Like when we were signing the AFLW players, uh, Barmy sat in on every interview. Um, so, and he did that one because he wanted to show the, the girls that we were interviewing and potentially bring into the club that it's, it's one club, it's one program um, and the, the men's program are invested into it. Um, but he just wanted to be in there, you know, to support us and say, you know, well, it's, this is the Richmond Football Club and, you know, we're not going to get it perfect, as he always says, but we're, we're going to try our very best to do so. So, uh, yeah, he's a great advocate and supporter of our program. So how does it work
1: moving into the first year? Next year is obviously 2018, sorry, 19 slash 20 is going to be the first year, obviously, of the women's AFL. How does it work from a recruiting player's perspective? Because obviously you've picked up a couple of big names so far. Katie Brennan being one, and... Sabrina Frederick. That's the one I was looking for. Manit Conti. Yep, so you've picked up a a couple of bigger names. Can you go pick... I've got your dog just (laughs) sniffing me left, right, and centre at the moment. Do Do you get the opportunity just to go and target who you want, or is it more along the lines of
0: as part of this, clubs have to sort of release players to sort of – how does that, yeah, so does that work? This year was a bit different because it's, um, there was four expansion clubs. So um, we had the opportunity to sign 12 current AFLW players from other clubs. Um, we chose to sign seven yep. um, and one delisted free agent. And we just wanted you – know, we, we targeted some real quality players um, to build our list around. From there, we could sign another seven from our VFLW academy and and then we'll, you know, go to the draft and, and see what else is out there. You know, we think there's some good talent out there that we can potentially bring in, and that's what um, – next week I'm actually going to Queensland to watch the NAB um, Under-18 Championships for the girls. Beautiful. Um, and just, yeah, cast her eye over that and be all over it for cast the draft. So how many how many picks do you get in the draft? Oh, I think we've got about 12, so we've got oh. a fair few. Yeah. So you, and
1: because there's one – so how many do you have on your list? So 30, you, 30. so you, you retain obviously some from the VFL – W, W yep. yeah. Then obviously the draft and obviously what you've signed up as yep. well too. And that yep. gets you a list of 30. Yeah. And a couple of rookies there as well. And a couple of rookies. Oh, so saying if you get a couple of injuries, you're not left with much no, after that. I
0: think, the, I think you can have train on girls as well. So girls that train on through the program. Um, if you have X amount of injuries, then you've still got a couple of girls there.
1: And you, it just seems to be everywhere now. Yeah. You know, every club virtually has a women's team or girls playing for them as well. But it hasn't had, in terms of the reception in the marketplace, or the reception has been sort of mixed. Do you see that as time goes on and the quality gets better, the skills get better, that that's definitely going to turn around?
0: Oh, certainly. Um, You know, the young girls coming through, because they've had experience, they've had, I guess, elite coaching all the way through, Um, they're getting better and better each year. Um, it's 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 not it's never going to be for everyone because um, I think people are maybe set in their ways a little bit with what footy should look like, um, and that's you know why AFLX doesn't appeal to people. It's it's not what footy looks like, and I think traditionalists maybe you know don't want to watch that, which is fine, and that's all well and good. But um, do you I, like it AFLX? AFLX? Uh, I didn't mind it. It was it was all right. I like footy though. It's just something to watch in the it's middle of summer, watch, isn't yeah. it? Um, but that's fine. Like, I think if the more people are playing footy and yeah, we give more opportunities to, for people to play at the top level, then why shouldn't we? Why should um, we? And, yeah, shouldn't we?
1: No, why shouldn't we? Yeah, yeah. Yes, no, no I agree. I agree because yeah. I've been mixed about it at times. But I think that, like you said, as the, I think the early days was like, you know, who, who can we get to play? Yeah. And they haven't had those leagues or those levels underneath to sort of build them up like obviously the common game has now. But you're right. In the next couple of years, it's just going kind of to, the, the skills get better, yeah. the contests get better. Because you've only got 16 on the field at once, haven't you? Yeah, 16 on the field.
0: Should they exp- expand that to 18? Uh, I see why they have 16. Yeah. Uh, but I'd rather have 18. Just keep it. Just keep it tr- traditional. Rules? Are you happy with the rules, the way that they're I, going I, with them? I like, the, I like the rules involved with last touch between the arcs. I really like that rule. Uh, I like the boundary umpires coming in 10 metres to throw it in because that just gets the game going. So, why do they do that in the men's? Don't know. Do you think? Why, why, don't why do I? What do you think? Because I
1: look at it and go, it well, sort of makes sense, doesn't it? Between the arcs, last kick out does sort of make a bit of sense. Because yeah. that's yeah. virtually what they're doing anyway now. And bringing the umpires in, like that would bring the ball into the middle a bit. I don't know. You I, don't know? I, I don't know. Do you
0: just sit back and just go? Oh, I don't know what's going on. No. At the to, to be honest, like I, I love footy, but I haven't watched a lot of footy this year just because I've been like uh, just entrenched in the women's program. Um. So it's been a bit of a different year for me. Well, it has. It's been a winning year for you. It has been a winning. How many games you played this year? Uh six. How many have you won? Six. How
1: many did you have it go last year? How many did you win last year? Four. Four. Yeah. <laughs> I looked. I looked. over did the research on that.
0: Yeah. And I, well, I even said this the other day to the girls. Um. You know, last year we'd our effort and our intent for, for what it was, we didn't get the results on the scoreboard. Um, this year, we're getting the results on the scoreboard, which is which is fantastic, but it's it's just a, such a continual growth. Um, like, if we didn't have those the year last year where we weren't quite as successful, I don't know how successful we would be because we learned a lot of lessons from last year. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we've, the, the improvement of the girls is, has been fantastic. And, and even from that perspective, do you think that's the, the, probably one of the
1: biggest issues that I see with, looking at it from the men's perspective, is that... People just aren't patient enough. And when I say that is, is that, you know, let's pick a team like Carlton as an example. They've got all these young kids. That they're young kids playing against men and they're not getting results in one or two years. It's like, nah, throw the baby out with the bathwater. They, they don't actually look to see where the improvement is and they just don't give enough yeah. patience and time. Or is there a fine line between patience and time and also generating the results as well.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's. Well, I think it's a bit of both. Um, I was chatting to someone at the club the other day, and they were saying, you know, for for a senior coach for their program and their what their vision that they want to do, it takes sometimes six to eight years. Um, like it doesn't happen in three to four. Like and and that's the tough thing because supporters want it straight away and, and want it next year or this year. Well, some of us have been waiting a long time, You've Tom. Long us time. Melbourne supporters have been waiting a very long time. Um, but it's just, yeah, for, for plans to be in place, it, it does just take time. Um, and I think it's, you know, for us from our end, we've been lucky. We've had these two years in the VFL, VFLW, to give us a really good opportunity to be really well prepared for AFLW when, when we come into it. Yep. It's pretty cool to hear that. Like, it is pretty cool to hear that <laughs> –
1: You've had two years, you've been able to sort of iron out a few of the kinks, and then you're almost going to be hitting the ground running
0: when the season
1: starts. So how much of a break do you get between this season finishing? And is there a break for you? No, nah, you-
0: it's not gonna be, um, I, 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 I do have to have a break. Uh, I think that's in the coaches association <laughs> thing, but I think I'll be doing a, a little bit of work on those breaks because hopefully we, we're going to the last day in September, um, or you know, the last game in September for us. Um, and then the, there's draft combine, there's the draft in October, um, and then I think preseason might start mid-November, maybe even earlier.
1: So, so. you're you you're sort of the, the rock between the thorns at the moment, or the rock between the um, well, sorry, the rock between the thorns, whatever that saying might be. So <laughs> yeah. you go from the VFL and then straight into the AFL, right. where most would have the break afterwards. You're
0: bang straight into it. Yeah. So I think that's why that next week in Queensland is going to be uh, very important. Oh, I enjoy what, uh, oh, the whole week. The whole week, yeah, it. Oh, there is three games of footy in <laughs> three the three games of
1: footy, three days of footy. Sorry, so well, if it's better than the weather down here in Melbourne, uh, well, well, better friggin' be because it's shocking at <laughs> the, the moment. Fingers crossed. Um, hey, couple of things before we wrap up. You mentioned your philosophy on coaching. What are the biggest misconceptions about coaching? What people think coaches do and are compared to the actual reality of it? Where, where do people obviously sometimes get that?
0: Um, I think, I think looking outward, you only really see the coaches you know, maybe in the press conference, maybe on game day. Um, and I can, I guess I can only speak for Richmond because that's where I've had my, 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 my most recent experience. You can sort of see them as like so invested and, and I guess, um, you know, real motivated for success and focused on winning and things like that as well. But from day to day, it's it's how you manage. It's what you do with people. It's, it's how you manage and, um, you know, for at Richmond, it's, so bubbly and, and friendly and and warm and welcoming. Um, and you sort of forget, you know, after a weekend where they might've had a bad loss, you forget that that's happened because of the way that dimmer is and the way that the, the club is. Um, they, they obviously hurt, but then they move on and, you know, it's not, it, they always say it's, it's not as bad as the big, worst loss and it's not as good as your best win. So they're just really motivated to, to want to be successful, but also want to help others. So and that's reflected in the environment. It's a real, it's a real welcoming place, and and everyone knows, you know what what to do to be successful. And for coaches, it's just about making sure that you've got that feeling amongst the group. Keep everyone positive. Keep everyone doing what they need to do.
1: Be humble in victory and humble in defeat as well. Yeah, good old Conor McGregor. He came. He said that one. Um, now, last thing on the on the. Um so, how old are you now? You're 28. 28. 28. Uh, on the relationship front, have you got
0: someone special in your life? <laughs> <laughs> I know the answer. Uh, yeah, no, I've got someone special in my life. Yeah. Uh, Danielle she's yep. um, proposals at all or? Uh, not yet I'm still waiting so, oh, so you're still waiting? I'm still waiting very well fade uh no no all in all in due season, all in due I'm season. Not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere too far oh so. that's nice yep.
1: and now one last thing um I know your, your parents very very well can you please just pass on to your dad that I've officially forgiven him <laughs> for breaking my arm approximately 13 years ago in a game which he was umpiring I've, <laughs> I've finally forgiven him so Stubbs if you hear this You know, I finally brushed it under (laughs) the carpet, mate. He'll he'll be, um, yeah, he'll be happy to hear that. He'll be happy to hear that. Yeah, Uh, Tom Hunter, I am, like I said, us and many people who know you are absolutely pumped and excited for where this journey is going to go. You're an absolute gun bloke, and we just wish you nothing but the best for your future. And whatever happens this year, you know, you've got plenty of people behind you. And I appreciate your time tonight on Lace Out. Thanks, Pat. Thanks for having me. Take care, buddy.